Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Hello, this is Basic Folk. We have honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm Cindy. Hello, I'm the host of this podcast. We got to know Izzy Heltai on episode 27 of Basic Folk, where he talked about his supportive family, his Western mass community, and for the first time, Izzy spoke in an interview about being a trans man. Now he's released his debut album, Father, and is kind enough to return to the podcast to give us a track-by-track breakdown of the record. Izzy's new album centers around songs he wrote from ages 19 to 23, where he spent a lot of time on the road, so there are plenty of road themes. The opening track is the only song to directly address his experience as a trans person. He's still trying to figure out how to talk about himself without wrapping his entire identity in being a trans man, but it is an important part of his writing. Izzy is so easy to talk to and very open about his lifelong struggle with depression. His joyful personality and positive energy wouldn't make you think he would have to deal with such frequent sadness, but he talks about how writing and honestly addressing it allows him to channel it through music. I take Izzy down some weird winding theories on this record, and he does really well to answer all of my ridiculous questions. Enjoy the conversation and then go buy Izzy's new album. All right, let's get into our conversation about Izzy Heltai's new album, Father, on Basic Book. I'm so happy um, that, that you're doing this. I'm so excited for your record, your debut album. It is out, and it's called Father. Is it Father or Father? Father. <laughs> um, I've noticed... On Instagram, you've been sharing some videos and pictures of yourself as a baby and as a young kid. And I wonder, like, how does, like, looking at and sharing those images make you reflect on your, like, gender identity or just, like, in general reflect on yourself as a young person? Absolutely. I mean, uh... This record kind of spans a really cool period of my life because as a whole, the record is like really about identity and like what moments build us into the people we are today or specifically for me, it's like what I'm made of the people that kind of shape me as a person. And in the past four years, when the bulk of these songs was written, kind of paralleled my transition from like teenagehood to like adulthood or like figuring out my space and how I want to take up space as an adult moving in the world. Um, so I think it's like a period of a lot of transition for a lot of people or a lot of growth. And so, uh, it's cool that these songs get to be kind of a collection of that, like past four or five years for me. And in terms of like the photos and like looking back on my childhood specifically it's uh been really interesting and incredibly powerful where it's like as a trans person i have felt like a lot of carefree years were taken away from me in a lot of ways um right it's kind of you are stripped of a basic comfort a lot of kids just have inherently Mm. but you know that can be taken in a in a number of ways not just by being queer or trans but um what has been really cool about like at the beginning of quarantine I actually kind of I uh spent a lot of time digitizing 
analog like home movies and then also um scanning in a lot of film photos my parents took and uh it allowed me to really kind of immerse myself in um the fact that though i've always felt kind of stripped of this carefreedness that a lot of kids have that i was really lucky in a lot of ways because there was so much love in my childhood Mm. and and really just being shown that and and even like like i watch some of these videos and like there is just a joy in me as a kid and it's interesting to kind of see that joy shift from like really young izzy like before the concept of what a gender was versus like getting to teenagehood and getting into your later childhood so yeah that's just been a really cool process that was like an added Mm. bonus about making this record the videos that you share when you're when you're little like you seem so joyful and then i haven't seen any of the teenage videos but i'm wondering like if that's lost somewhere yeah i mean i think it's like it's it's you know it's interesting for me to watch them because i know a lot of what I was thinking back then but on the surface it's like I just look like a happy kid um because I was also like privileged in a lot of ways and was surrounded by a lot of love and support and that's also very apparent you know I don't have a perfect family and and there were definitely times that were very hard but what kind of never changed was the support my mom and dad and family had and like love that was present for me and my sister which was so cool to see yeah I don't know I've been lucky in my temperament I guess that that joy is kind of my go-to exclusion it's like I I like I don't know well I actually had a question about that like you are like a really joyful funny goofy generally good-natured person at least in in my experience I know that on this record you do address like issues of depression and anxiety and just inherent sadness that is in your life but I'm wondering where you try to work in like your sense of humor or your sense of playfulness um, into your writing and your music well specifically on this record I would say like there are a couple songs like songbird and wet your appetite that are a little more um lighthearted but then in terms of that it's like i i love being joyful and um there's a lot of kind of sadness in my life i would say generally it's like i deal with depression pretty heavily i always have a lot of anxiety too and um i love sad songs and i love writing sad songs because a big part of the songwriting process for me is processing a lot of kind of the harder ways I feel so it frees me up to kind of be more joyful in my day to day so it, it's been like a, a tool to kind of help keep that at bay a little bit or at least help me move throughout the day nice okay let's talk about the songs on this record Amazing. track by track let's do it I even brought up my notes because I'm gonna forget what songs are on this record <laughs> Way to go. Um, Okay, the first track is To Talk About Yourself. And you did make some notes that you shared with me about this record. um, And about this song, you said, I've never known how to fully approach the topic of being trans. And in a world where queerness can sometimes be commodified, I want to approach discussing my identity without it being the focal point of my work. I get that 100%. And I want to know more about what your struggle like with that duality has been like where you know being trans is an important part of your creative process is an important part of your identity um representation might be something that's important to you but also yeah you don't want you know i don't want people to think of me as that like gay podcaster (laughs) you know like it's just you don't want to be pigeonholed and you don't want to be taken advantage of yeah um so what is that duality for you and also like what would you like the focal point of your work to be yeah at least for me it's like i want the focal point of my work to be the integrity of my work that i am 
a quality songwriter and not the best, but you know that I'm growing, but that um, there is integrity in the songs and they stand alone. But because nothing exists in a vacuum, it's like it's huge context to my work and my identity that I went through this experience of, you know, being trans. And it's an experience that's like I love and, and I appreciate and love this part about my life so much. But for so long, was so scared to talk about it in any public sphere because I'm like, well, I don't want to just be seen for this because at the end of the day, I just care about writing good songs. The first time I ever really talked about it in this context or started getting comfortable with talking about my queer identity in the context of me creating music in any way was uh, on your podcast last April. Mm. Um, And that's been a super challenging process for me to kind of become comfortable talking about it in kind of a casual way. It's also, it's like people expect to talk about it with me and it to carry this weight and for it to be a heavy conversation. But I see my transness as a very light part of my identity and it's something I love and it's something that's shaped me. Mm. But I want people to feel okay with just kind of talking to me about it casually because it is just like a really cool thing I got to go through. But it's also like it's not the focal point of my career. It's not the focal point of my life at this point. Yeah, I I remember talking to you during our interview and you were so careful with how you talked about being trans and you're so careful to to make the proclamation that like this is my experience and other people have their own experiences and um but I thought you you know it was it was just so brave and and I you know feel grateful that you that you talked about it so thanks oh of course Cindy and um yeah. I mean and 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 since then it's it's been a process but it's like I'm so happy on this side of it it's like I feel so much more comfortable than I ever have talking about mm. it in kind of like a casual context but also it's like it's also been, you know, it's like the past, I want to say not since the beginning of this pandemic, but it's like, you know, we currently are in like the biggest mass rebellion this country's ever seen, right? Like there's a lot of light being shed on a lot of things that have been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it puts a lot into perspective. And as like a white cis passing trans guy and like the place I come from, it's like, I don't fear my safety talking about this so with the perspective of everything just going on it's just like there is life is too short for you not to talk about certain things if that makes sense yeah Okay, track two. Track two. The Stranger You've Become. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is a song about regaining trust after experiencing some gaslighting. Oh, yeah. How did your perception of trust get messed with, and how did you work to regain trust in relationships? And, like, after you get on the other side of that, were you able... Or are you able to identify your suspicions, like in future encounters, like when you're like, I think someone's messing with me? And like, what did that feel like? I like to think, you know, I I just like to give people the benefit of the doubt. But I think I'm a very trusting person. And so an experience like this kind of throws a lot out of whack 
for um, me as someone who's kind of thought of themselves as like a a, a trusting person most of their lives. And so mm. it's it's very discombobulating. And, and what I observed in myself, especially the, the time directly after this, and, you know, it's still something I'm working on day to day and something that's still present in my life, but was just kind of a it was just kind of a general disinterest in people because I didn't really have a disinterest in not trusting people or being suspicious of everyone's activity or thinking everyone was out to get me. So it manifested in self where I'm like, well, then if I just don't engage at all, it doesn't even open myself up to this tendency I do, which is just like, I love being trusting and I love thinking people have good intentions. And for the most part, I think people do, but it was there was like a roadblock up where I was just like, well, I don't even want to get mm. to that point because I just don't even want to engage. Um, and, and this is one of the, uh, uh, an older song on the record. So, you know, it's a lot I've worked through, but um, it's a song I love a lot and have played a lot around and is something that, uh, you know, is I think also held with a lot of other people, um, which is why I really wanted this song on the record. You end the song, The Stranger You've Become, with the line, your patience wearing thin, I'm being sensitive. Yes. Can you talk about closing the song, like calling yourself sensitive? And I'm wondering if there's a double meaning there, like you were being called sensitive as like a put down, but actually your sensitivity is the thing to save you from falling into this kind of trap again. Well, a little bit of both, but what it is really about, it's like, well, I, how about this context that I was recently talking about it with my friend, which is like, as a queer person being like societally gaslit, where it's like, when I encounter like people saying things to me that are like maybe bigotry or just like out of ignorance, but you know, something I think kind of destructive, it's like, I have a reaction and a lot of the times I won't say that reaction because over and over again in my life, I've just been told my reaction is unwarranted and just me being sensitive mm. when most of the time it's a valid reaction. But in the context of a relationship and that sort of gaslighting, um, yeah, it's about um, you reacting to a situation totally reasonably and rationally, but that person being like, oh, no, no, no. This is not warranted at all. You're the crazy one, right? Have you ever seen that internet meme that's like, sorry I was acting crazy while you're treating me like garbage? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this time we'll figure this out. But I could stand here and be your solid ground. You're getting much too tired to figure this out And I can see it in your face again Your patience wearing thin I'm being sensitive Marching song Marching song The hit The hit Um, You say that your depression has led to some unkind, ill-tempered, and impatient behavior, which that's no good, but what is it like for you to be able to identify those traits in your depression and then take responsibility for the way that you treat people? Well, I think it's just incredibly important because I feel like in myself, without taking that accountability and without assessing that it comes from this place, it could spiral into like a very unproductive guilt of like self-pity. And it's like, oh, why do these things keep happening? Like, I'm just such a terrible person. When instead it's like, no, I experience things. And sometimes because of that, I project onto others 
some unhealthy tendencies and in order to not have it affect other people i need to be conscious and i need to reflect and i need to assess where that comes from and i need to not be paralyzed and debilitated by that sadness or the guilt of how it affects others instead i have to take it back and then it actually becomes an incredibly powerful thing when you realize you can do that and that you can always also apologize and grow from those experiences now tell me about that scorching guitar solo at the end oh my god like the 80s hair metal yeah we were so excited about this in the studio (laughs) my roommate micah he basically just plays with me in any amalgamation of a band i have actually the other day i had a band practice and he couldn't be there and i was just like lost like my expression was (laughs) blank i was like i actually don't know what to tell you guys of what to do because he's like my music theory guy and tells everyone arrangements and stuff but anyways so he came into the studio and we're like okay we need this like we need this build we need this guitar part and he's like okay i got you and then we just started just layering over the guitar part over and over he's like oh i came up with this like sick thing and then we kind of just like went a little nuts but i love it yeah it's it's like the hair metal part of the record yeah it's the loudest part (laughs) on this quiet folk album beautiful couldn't tell you through the telephone When you picked up, I put it down I don't know why I couldn't tell you through the telephone That I'm not my song is human this song reflects back on a time where you were touring for about two two and a half months in the summer of 2018 you just did a 20-hour drive to chicago on the drive you convinced yourself you'd fallen in love with a woman you just met that's funny um and you say about this song it's easy to live in the stories we tell ourselves in our own heads As a generally dramatic person, I succumb to this tendency quite often. Izzy, I want to hear more about your experience with drama. Well, I think it's like a very like inward drama I go through where it's basically just like what I've noticed. It's like I've spent a lot of the time on the road. And so I've spent a lot of time, you know, meeting people. Not getting to know them super well, but like having great interactions with people and then like leaving and then being in the car by myself for like seven or eight hours. Or 20. Or 20. That was one time and I was also, I also got like really sick. I'm not surprised. I mean, that's fair. Uh, But it's just like a lot of my songs come out of this type of stuff where it's like indulging my most dramatic tendencies in a way that doesn't project that onto other people in incredibly unhealthy ways. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's quite a sad song if you listen to it, but the content is a little bit lighter in this way where it's just like about a person I met and then built up in my head because I was in a car for 20 hours alone mm. that I like had a deep relationship with this person. And then, you know, woke up the next day and I was like, I don't know who this person is at all and probably <laughs> don't like them that much. This is the song where I was wondering, like, this is like a funny song if you know the back, the backstory of it, where it's like, it sounds incredibly sad. And then you're like, oh, Izzy just made this up in his head. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, actually, this song is kind of ridiculous. I want to live forever and still tell her that when I met her. Like a dying 
Because she was never mine To have, to hold, to cherish What's the line drawn when infatuation leaves A person no more human than one's desire Songbird. How we often avoid direct communication in the early stages of romantic endeavors. And then there's some hurt feelings because of that misunderstanding that arise from the lack of communication, which totally true. But also, what about this? I think that avoiding communication is something that does cause problems, but also ignoring intuition and gut feelings, you know, like how much of that indirect communication do you think is actually a choice? What do you mean by that? When you're like with somebody new and you really like them and you really want it to work out, although your gut is telling you, listen, I'm pretty sure this person is a murderer. (laughs) And you're like, well, they're so good looking and you just ignore it. Oh, you're right. And then it's not like lack of communication that's making it not work. It's like, really, you guys just, you're ignoring your gut. I didn't even think about that, but you're totally right, Cindy. Rewrite the song, please. Rewrite the song. (laughs) No, but this one's just like a general frustration where it's like, so I wrote this song. I was in Pittsburgh, actually, funny enough. You know the Three River Arts Festival? I sure do. Yeah, I was like playing on a side stage at like 11 a.m. or something and had slept in not a Walmart parking lot, but they kicked me out of the Walmart parking lot and sent me to the parking lot adjacent that was abandoned. So I was sleeping there and then I woke up and I wrote this song and it's just kind of like a funny song. I wish we had known each other. You could have stayed with me. That would have been nice. Been I mean, so better, than, <laughs> better than a Walmart parking lot. Oh, is she too? Am I too angry, empty and alone? Or maybe I'm stupid or smarter than most and just confused as fuck. Or maybe I'm a song who's listening in, trying to get your number but asking for a friend. Or maybe I just messed up trying to sleep with someone that's never been a Okay, this next song is ridiculous. It's called Wet Your Appetite. So you wrote about this song that it's a story you made up and you don't remember writing it. Yes. How does it happen where you write a song and then you don't remember? Oh, no, I remember writing the song. I don't remember where this story came from. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's kind of like a story about someone being unfaithful, um, you know, cheating, has had a presence in my life, so, like, something's there, Mm. you know. I want to know about the decision to put a a DJ Nightmare, also known as a false ending, in this song. Do I have a false ending? There's, like, two, and I don't appreciate it. (laughs) I like it. It adds drama. We're all about the drama here, Cindy. Won't you just please deliver a sense of fear I'm through a 
The next song is Anyone to Anybody, and yes. it sounds like this song really changed once you brought it to your bandmates. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Can you talk about that experience? Yeah, I mean, so this song in particular is the oldest song on the record. So I wrote this song um, when I was a teenager, actually, and it's been on some older EPs, but it's kind of just a song that for some reason or another like has lived with me um and I still play out and it's kind of like a lot of people that were listening to me at the very beginning like still tell me they love this song a lot um so it was kind of important for me to include songs like this on the record even if they're not like my favorite or I think they are that well written anymore <laughs> um because you know I think as a songwriter for me it's like a lot of what I produce now belongs to a lot more people than just me. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing about trying to be an artist in this way is that my art gets to exist outside of myself and manifest itself in ways that I didn't really expect or think they would. The way that I read your notes on this song and the way that I heard it was that you are nothing without not you are nothing but like your community means so much to you and i kind of took that as being like you know the people that support you as fans the people that your friends your family but also like the musical community and in this song anyone to anybody the band comes in about like halfway through like mm -hmm. all of a sudden two minutes in and everybody joins in and it's like very exciting um, you're kind of like there alone and then your people come in and I'm wondering what that change means to you. No, I mean, it's very much that it's like community honestly is one of the things that means the most to me in the world. And like my friends are like everything to me and are the reason I'm like kind of able to do this, I feel. And, um, you know, this song was kind of like born from a funny part of my life when I was living so heavily steeped in a community out in Western Massachusetts, like I was living in my friend's closet. Um, and it was like a bunch of us in a house and we were all artists. And, you know, I was having the best time of my life. I was like 18, 19. I think it's like as a solo artist, it's like, I feel very proud about doing things as an individual and kind of having my creative process be very like just in me um so that's kind of indicative of like the beginning of the song but then if you kind of like zoom out and look at that with a different perspective it's really that creation is only able to happen because of the support of a collective at least in my life that's been the case and i'm not anyone to anybody And it was long ago that I thought we'd grow old together. Now I know. Now I know. Catacomb. This song is a personification of the deep sadness I sometimes find myself in. Oh, look at you. You're laughing at your sadness. I'm laughing at how dramatic these liner notes are. These songs are pretty dramatic, Izzy. Well, but then it's like, if you meet me, I mean, Cindy, you can attest this. It's like, like, would you assume that I'm this dramatic? You're like a goddamn clown. Well, but so I just feel like it's got to <laughs> juxtap. It's like I have to get these feelings out somehow. Mm, totally. <laughs> So, like, sadness is a part of your life. So you must have some kind of relationship with this sadness. What is that like? Like, do you know when it arrives? Do you accept it as a permanent part of your life? I mean, yeah. And it's like, 
the way I structured my life, um, the tools I build up, the patterns, like kind of the anchors I have are all kind of just a way of of dealing with it and, and trying to put it at bay and, and really at the end of the day just make sometimes the overwhelming things I feel just a little, just I don't want anything to be debilitating. I don't want anything inside of myself to hold me back from doing what I love, from being with the people I love, from like showing up and being the most present I can be. And so it's like sometimes it gets like a lot and this song kind of deals with being engulfed in a very dark space. And that can be quite hard, but I feel like at this point in my life have built up like an arsenal of um, strategies to allow even the darkest moments to not be debilitating or so debilitating. Wish me away any day now I'm bound to get fed up Two halves of a horse I've been treated like shit Tai puts the title track as the last song on the album. It's called Father. Oh, yeah. As a transgender person, you find yourself living in a world where you have to know who you are, which I'm older than you. And hearing you talk about how being transgender kind of like forced you to know yourself at a young age, who you are more than other people, I um it resonates with me in the fact that, like, I did not know who I was at your age, and it took a really, really long time. So I'm interested in knowing about um, that obsession with knowing yourself to the fullest in, in, like, any given moment, and how does that impact your ability to reflect on the world through your songs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, I spoke about it specifically in terms of my trans identity, because that's the experience I've had. But it's like, I think this needing to know yourself in this world can come about with a lot of marginalizations. For me, it was just kind of like growing up in a world outside of what I was told was normal and, and what I should be just forces you to have to be sure that you are who you are, if that makes sense. It's just like, you know, I can only speak in terms of my experience, so I'm just going to keep it to specifics where it's like I, you know, was born into a world that continuously wanted to tell me that my identity wasn't valid and that honestly I shouldn't exist. So it's like the only way I could convince people around me that I did in fact know who I was and that I do in fact exist is to be so confident in myself. And so that's a lot of what I've taken from this experience. But, um, you know, when you get born feeling comfortable in a binary or being comfortable with how people tell you you should present or identify, which is totally valid and a lot of people feel that way, but it doesn't ever force you to have to assess who you are in a moment. Right. Where it's like my experience, it's like I didn't feel comfortable at all as who I was told I was supposed to be. So it forced me to then look inside and be like, okay, then how can I feel comfortable or how can I feel present in this body and this world Mm. um and yeah and so then it it spirals into a lot of other facets about my identity not just my gender identity where i kind of get equipped with these tools that i'm like well now i know what it means to like assess my identity and reflect and figure out who i want to be in any given moment and be sure about that identity and it's also always changing and growing and that's like a super beautiful thing 
This song is about the people I see myself in, seeing the roots of where and who I came from, which is something that you said, <laughs> not me. Um, why Father as the title of the song and the album? Um, and are you referring to, like, your father? Do you want to be a father? Well, I honestly, I love this song because I actually think there's a lot of meanings to it. So it's like... This song specifically, but I think like we've talked about, the entire record is about kind of identity building and kind of figuring out mm -hmm. who you are in this time of transition in my life and in any person's life from childhood to adulthood. And so this song specifically is really about three-dimensionalizing people that when you're a kid, you really see as black and white, like parents, right? It's like I grew up being like, my parents are good, but don't have lives and aren't really humans and then it's like as i grow into an adulthood i'm like oh no these are like three-dimensional people and they have flaws and they're also incredible but they have lives outside of just being my parent um and that goes for like teachers or like mentors like anyone right it's like we are all people and a big part of being an adult for me has been three-dimensionalizing those people mm -hmm. and realizing that we all have a lot that goes into us and that even our flaws can be really beautiful and can be what built us into the people we are. Um, and so this song deals with that and also me identifying how those people as a whole, not just like in the context of my life, but how their flaws affect me and have shaped me. I don't know if that makes so much sense, but it's like, it's just seeing how a three-dimensional being affects me as a three-dimensional being, not just like my parent is this one dimension and affected me in this concrete way. Mm. Um, and finding a lot of forgiveness in that too, because then I think it's like, it can be really easy to try to blame some like bad tendencies on people that maybe did things to you um on top of that you know the fact that it is a gendered term as the title track was like kind of cool and important to me mm. um just as like an added little bonus like a father is also definitely not something i ever thought i was gonna be able to be um so yeah i don't know i think it kind of encapsulates a lot in just a word and now what do you think? About what? Being a dad. Oh, I would love to be a dad. You'd be a good dad. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I would really embarrass my kid. Totally. <laughs> but they'd like it. Oh, yeah, but I actually, so I just started working. So I started a new lucrative career, Cindy, mm -hmm. as someone who is working in the arts mostly. But who knows what that's going to be like. So I started working as a barista. I'm loving it but had to buy some comfortable, practical shoes. <laughs> so bought this god-awful pair of New Balances that I just absolutely love, but they are such a dad shoe. Oh, my God. I can imagine. One more question. Great. Sometimes your singing pattern is very interesting to me. Your singing pattern has you jumping from one verse to the other without any pause in between, which you do... A few times on the album and I, I wrote it down while I was listening to Father so it happened at least once during Father. Do you recognize that in, in your phrasing and what do you think in general about like your singing pattern? What do you mean by that specifically? So the first verse into the chorus um, since I felt like I was worth much more than any other reflected in my father's eyes, and then there's no pause, you just say, I could use a good touch. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like no break mm -hmm. in between. It was cool, and I wondered if it was intentional. I think, I mean, it's just, it, I do have a tendency to do that in my songwriting. Um, I mean... It reminded me of the way that I talk on the radio where I never have any pauses because I want to stop talking as soon as possible. <laughs> you picked a funny career if that is your mentality. Yeah. Tell me about it. 
I'm just thinking, I mean, I have a tendency, I'm a very wordy guy. I really like words and I love how words fit into each other, kind of like puzzles. Um, But it wasn't really intentional. I guess it is a thing I have a tendency to do in my writing, I think, though. Um, Now that you're talking about it, but, you know, it's just one of those things. Settle down, there's something in the water. Keeps on getting hazier And we're just trying not to drown and Just below the surface Treading water holding your breath But you've been swimming for a while And I grew up landlocked and I could use a good touch Maybe even your love But help me figure out what I've been trying to tell you for years Well, cool. I'm glad I could look into all of these cryptic things that i made up about your music (laughs) i love it that's why i love being a songwriter i mean that's what's so cool about art or like putting it out there in a public way it's like other people kind of get to tell you what it's about Mm. well i liked it don't do it all the time but you can do it sometimes thanks cindy Um, you got my back yeah i totally do okay before you leave we're gonna do the lightning round Oh my god, I'm really bad at this. Let's do it. Okay. First song you learned on the guitar. Oh, uh, that Green Day song. Good riddance. Karaoke song. Oh, Alanis Morissette. Um, ironic. Favorite junk food. Ooh. Are peanut butter pretzels junk food? Yeah. Okay, yeah, peanut butter pretzels. The Trader Joe's ones. Okay. Favorite country. Favorite country? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Do I have to have gone there? No. Oh, okay. Amazing. I want to go to Japan. Let's do Japan. Me too. Let's go. <gasps> that would be so cute when the world is not ending. Yeah. Right? Us in oh, Japan. we should definitely do a Japan <laughs> trip, Cindy. Oh, my God. Uh, Katy Perry or Christina Aguilera? Oh, Katy Perry. Have you seen the videos of, like, early on in her career when it was, like, her singing... It's just like her and an acoustic guitar with like a, a shitty cam- camcorder. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was she singing? Hot and cold? I don't know. She's great. Big fan. Same. Let's see. First celebrity crush. Oh. I'm not great at celebrity crushes. I can't remember anyone's name. I like Jennifer Aniston. I liked Friends growing up. Great answer. What was your first car? Oh, a Subaru Forester. Oh, yeah. I forgot to ask you about that bed that you made. Oh, that was a time. What was that like? Sleeping in my car? Oh, it was great. My dad came up to help me do this. So basically, we got like an Ikea twin-size bed bed frame and then like hacked it in half and put Velcro on it and made like the little things. It was just a very funny process because my father and I are like the least handy people in the world. So it took (laughs) so long and was like so poorly done. Um, but then it was great. I kind of, it took up like half the space of the back of my Subaru Foresters and there was storage underneath. Um, but it was amazing. Like I love camping and I love just kind of not having to think about where you're going to stay, but just knowing you can go anywhere really. And so it was great. I had a lot of fun. Who's the nicest musician you've ever met? Oh, Peter Mulvey. Favorite TV show? Oh... I mean, I'm going to have to say The Office. Lord of the Rings or Narnia? Narnia. I actually just started, um, I have the audiobook on CD, and Patrick Stewart narrates it. I already would have asked you Star Trek or Star Wars in the last lightning round. Did you? Yeah. I would say Star Wars. Star Wars? Oh, wow. Wow. Are you a Star Trek person? Yeah. Never saw that coming, huh? Never saw that coming. Star Wars is literally amazing. So. (laughs) All right. uh, We need one more question here, and it has to be epic. Okay. 
This is on you, radio host. It is totally on me. What is the worst gig you've ever played? <laughs> Cindy, there have been so many. <laughs> oh, God, the worst one? This takes some thought. Um, How about... I don't want to call out any places, but it actually was a dive bar in Pittsburgh. I'm not going to say the name. I bet I probably would be able to guess. But, Cindy, get this. I got brought in to, um, you know, this was like, I was like 19. No idea what was going on. It was like one of my first tours, so I was just like emailing random bars and coffee shops. I'm like, music, right? You do that. I had no idea how anything worked. Anyways, got brought in to open up for an eight-piece brass band wow because they were like sure we'll have you oh actually i have another story after this um but so that night the only people that showed up to this weirdly large space was the band which was eight people and then me as i opened up for them Mm -hmm. and no one else came the rest of the night and then okay the other worst gig that i just thought of was actually awesome so i got brought in to play a 20 minute set in between two bands for a Grateful Dead cover night. I was absolutely not doing Grateful Dead covers, (laughs) but I was sandwiched in between two bands that were. Oh my God. That's terrible. And I know exactly where the Pittsburgh gig was and I won't say the name of the venue. But Izzy Heltai, you have done it. A lightning round. Oh my God, Cindy. On the podcast, Basic Folk, and the new album is Father. It's out now. We love you. I love you, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me on. This was awesome. Okay, Basic Folk this week, produced by the one, the only, Sarah Wardrop. Lindsay Myers is our business manager. Alex Stanton of Townspeople does our music. Basic Folk is on the American Songwriter Podcast Network. You can find all 90 episodes of the podcast anywhere that you listen to these podcast things or at my website, cindyhouse.net. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.